The reading is Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had to be sold to pay, repay the debt. At this, a servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't, I, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. So, those who don't know me and my wife and my kids, the privets, Abby's at the back. If you want to see how Abby is, that's who she is. We don't necessarily get on with cars very well. Um... Some of you know the ongoing saga when it comes to privets and cars. Um, in the, <laughs> some chuckles already. Um, so in the last 18 months, we've had to scrap two cars. We've had one car stolen, and we've had to do about over £1,000 worth of work on another car as well. And in that time, I've also um, attended a speed awareness course. So, <clears throat> Only the once, Mark. So it's fair to say that the car's... Cars and privets kind of bring a bit of attention in our house. So the other day, it wasn't helped oh dear, when I got home from work and on the doormat was another speeding ticket. Please don't hurt me. Um, and so I intercepted it, right? I was like, right, Abby can't see this. I need to create an atmosphere of love first. <laughs> so I was like, right, I'll do the cooking. I'll make the dinner. I'll make the dinner. I'll sort the kids out. i put them to bed. I will then wash up. I'll then give her a cup of tea, she can watch whatever she wants on TV, that's fine. And then I found the right moment, and I, I passed her the envelope, and also I passed her a massive apology as well. I said, I'm so sorry. And do you know what? She was like, it's fine, these things happen, you know, I still love you, we embraced, and then I woke up. <laughs> I woke up to the words of, you idiot! You idiot, what, again? I was like, yeah, again. And every time I leave the house now, she's like, don't forget the speed limit. And I'm like, thanks very much. So <laughs> yeah, I'd like to add as well that I have bailed her out twice in the last six months for a flat battery. So I'm just saying, it's fun. Today, I want to talk about uh, forgiveness. 
I'm still working on it as well, so it's fine. Uh, I was about forgiveness. And uh, we, we've just started this series, or I say just started a few weeks ago, Jesus Steps In. And uh, Mark's done the first three talks. He looked at um, healing the first week. Hopefully some of you were here. Uh, and then we looked at prayer, so having audacious prayer, bold prayers. And then last week was worship. And I know a lot of you really took a lot from that about um, having the right posture and pausing and, and asking Jesus to kind of come in and step in when we worship him. Uh, and today is no different. I want to do that through the lens of forgiveness. Is that okay? Good. So what happens when we let Jesus step in and we have forgiveness or perhaps unforgiveness in our hearts? A quick poll. Who has ever done something a little bit silly slash stupid in their lives? If your hand didn't go up, you're like, you are Jesus, right? So, yeah, great. Now, my life is regularly sprinkled with these moments. Silly little things. I like to think that's a God-given gift, Okay. I help anyone that knows me, I help them develop their forgiveness muscle. That's why Abby is so forgiving. You know, 18 years together, she is so forgiving. It's great. Um, but I want to talk about forgiveness in the sense that often in our normal routine, I'm going to create three zones right now, okay? In our normal routine of life, we have like a middle zone, okay? We have a middle zone. And we just get on through life and stuff might happen. And there might be that work colleague we don't necessarily get on with particularly well. And he says something or does something and you kind of trundle over here to the unforgiveness zone. This is the unforgiveness zone here. Okay, and then time passes, or you might have a conversation and you work all the way through, you know, guess what's coming, right? To the forgiveness zone over here. And then we kind of filter back into the middle zone and we get back on with our life again. Is that fair? Someone cuts us up in Audi car park. We go to the unforgiveness zone for a little bit. Okay, then we buy a few donuts, Audi, and we go through to the forgiveness zone and back to the middle zone again. Making sense? Good, I'm glad, because that's the whole premise. (laughs) Uh, So, but often there are things in our lives, perhaps things that people have said to us, done to us, a job thing that didn't work out, perhaps some unforgiveness in ourselves, about ourselves, that mean we just flip between unforgiveness and the middle zone all the time. And whenever it crops up, we're just straight back into that place. So that's what I want to kind of challenge today. Um, as we allow Jesus to step in. Now, I'm aware I'm talking to a lot of people that I don't know. So please, none of what I say is a judgment on you at all. I don't know your history. I don't know your story. Uh, all I want to bring today is, um, is, is my experience, but also I'm, I'm basically just looking at that passage. I'm not unpacking anything else, just looking at that passage. Some key things that we can learn and some signs, uh, some signs and symptoms of unforgiveness and forgiveness as well. I actually wrote this talk three times because I'm so aware this is quite an emotive topic. So um, hear my heart as I, as I speak. First thing I want to pick up on, I want to do this backwards today. Not physically backwards because that would be really weird, right? I want to do this backwards in terms of, oh, I get a better laugh than that. Um, is the second part of the passage first and then the first part of the passage second, okay? Is that all right? Good. As you can see, I need interaction. So um, let's go with verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. The first thing, or silver coins, the first thing I want to say is that when there's unforgiveness, I'm going to move that, unforgiveness in our heart, we keep records of wrong. We keep score, don't we? We keep score. When we have areas in our life that there's unforgiveness, and that thing might pop up, or that person might crop up again, we keep the score. Oh, you're the person who did this to me. You're the person who did that to me. And we begin to define that person by the thing that they've done to us. Um, how many of you ever muttered the words, oh, they're always like that? That's what they, they always do that. I do that. Oh, that's just what they're like. 
I love honesty. That's great. Okay? I think we probably all do. We all have those expectations, preconceived ideas of what someone's like because of something that they've done or some way that they've acted. I went to Spain 30 years ago when I was eight. I know you're thinking, what? You can't be 38. I am. Thanks for the compliment. Um, 58. (laughs) Well, you pesky young people. Um, Anyway, there was loads of street artists out one night and they were painting lots of different things. And there was one guy that was doing caricature drawings. Have you seen them? Where they like take a comic version of your face, so they might draw you with like with a big nose, or big ears, or big teeth, or maybe like a really tiny mouth and like no ears. I'm not looking at anyone in the room, so don't freak out. Anyway, they drew me, and I had a big head. They drew me with a massive head. Oh, good. No one said anything. That's great. Thanks. Um, and I think what I'm trying to make the, the the connection is that often when we have records of wrong, when we have when we kept score because of unforgiveness, we begin to have a caricature understanding of that person in our heads. We're like, oh, they're always like that. We distort who they are. We distort, actually, how God sees them, right? Genesis 1.26, that we are, you know, he made mankind and it's very good. That we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we hold unforgiveness against people and we have these caricature images of people, we're actually distorting who they are. It's not actually who they are. We see this in Luke 15. You know the story of the, the, um, the uh, prodigal son? Yeah? Do you know the story? If we don't know it, I'm going to teach you it now. So basically, there's a, there's a son who wants his father's inheritance, his money, before his dad's even dead, right? Nasty. So he takes the money, and he goes off, and he squanders it all. He, he wastes it all, and then he realizes the errors of his ways, and he comes back, and um, his dad clothes him with a robe and puts sandals on his feet and gives him a ring on his finger, and they kill the fattened calf, and they have a big party. It's a big celebration, and uh, there's another character in the story. Do you know who the character is? The older brother, yeah. The older brother is keeping score, isn't he? He's keeping score. How can you forgive? How can you forgive that person? How can you forgive my brother for what he's done? And then he actually, if you read it, he says, all these years I've done the right thing, basically. All these years I've done the right thing. I'm the right person. I never get anything wrong. I think unforgiveness in our heart, when we start to think about people like that, we actually elevate ourselves as being better than those people. We have a caricature image of ourselves just as much as the other person. We think we're better. We think we never get anything wrong. I wonder if there's people in this room today where we're thinking, that's me. I have that caricature understanding of someone in my mind right now. Um, Another thing that I want to pack from unforgiveness um, is from that verse again. It's the second part of that verse. And it says, uh, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, some of you are thinking, Jim, if you knew the person that I work with, you would choke them as well, <laughs> right? Not me. I hope Mark doesn't want to choke me. <laughs> uh, okay. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but you don't work in my office. You don't know the people that I know. You don't know the family member that did this to me. You don't know my history, okay? And often we don't tend to choke people. Well, I hope we don't choke people physically. Um, but it does affect our behavior. Unforgiveness in our hearts affects our behavior, how we treat people, doesn't it? When we hold on to unforgiveness... We try and choke them out of situations. We choke them out of relationships. We choke them out of our life, decisions. You know, we don't speak to them anymore. We don't speak to them lovingly anymore because we, we don't want to be under attack anymore. Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. You know, I don't think necessarily we, we physically choke people. <laughs> I hope we don't. But I think one way that we might do this physically is through the words that we speak about them, the way we talk to them and the way we talk about them. And we speak death over certain people because of unforgiveness in our hearts. 
That might sound quite strong, but I think that's true. And those words become gossip, and they become slander. We want everyone else to join in on it and join on our side, don't we? Effectively, we are choking them. We're choking them. And we're expecting everyone else to join in with us and, and, and harbor the same unforgiveness towards them. Perhaps some of you are thinking, no, that's not me. Um, I'm pretty good with that. I don't let my words get to that extent. I don't allow unforgiveness to kind of bury that deep. I was chatting to Abby about kind of this, this talk and how I was going to unfold certain stuff and some thoughts and stuff. And um, she just made it really clear how important it is as well um, that if we have unforgiveness towards ourselves, how that affects how we speak about ourselves. Um, and um, it was quite a powerful moment, actually, because you might not notice if you have unforgiveness about yourself, about something that you've done, you'll have a really low self-esteem. You'll have a really poor opinion of yourself. You will not see you as Christ sees you as a new creation, clothed by him. You begin to talk down about yourself. You begin to choke your own identity, your own humanity. So that's what unforgiveness can get like sometimes for some of us. How many people do we have in our lives that perhaps we talk about in that particular way? The last thing I want to say is um, in unforgiveness, is this. Sorry, I've got a bit of a cold. Um, right. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So servant one put fellow servant two in prison. That escalated quite quickly, didn't it? <laughs> didn't it? From records of wrong, he remembered he was owed 100 silver coins to choking him, having that physical reaction, behavioral reaction towards him, to putting him in prison. Prison is designed to keep people in, isn't it? To keep the nasty things that they've done from happening again. It's an attempt of controlling people, protecting ourselves. But the thing is with prisons, who else is in a prison other than a prisoner? A jailer. Prison guard. Can we call it that? Yeah? I think if we allow unforgiveness to take root in our lives so much to the point that we put people in prison, do you know what? We end up being the, the jailer, the prison guard. That we have to stand day and night anxious, worried. What's going to be said to me next? What are they going to do to me next? How, I'm, how am I going to behave back? You know, it's tiring, isn't it? When you get to that stage, when you have that sort of thought about someone and you start behaving like that, you allow it to get to that deep-rooted unforgiveness. It is tiring. I, did, I read some um, research on this recently. Um, CBN, Christian Broadcast Networking, have just released uh, an article about... Um, about unforgiveness, holding on to bitterness. And they've uh, basically said that there's a connection between unforgiveness has been associated with immune problems, chronic pain, anxiety, and mental health issues, right? I think sometimes, not all of these things, but sometimes unforgiveness and bitterness can affect us in a physical way where we're actually in more pain as a result. We're actually in more pain as a result. I remember going into a church years ago when I was about 18, and uh, they had a poster up on the wall when it said, Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in the jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Okay? And if you think about it, servant one, where did he end up eventually? Because of his unforgiveness. Yeah. He was back in prison, right? If we don't deal with forgiveness properly, quickly, if we, if we harbor unforgiveness, and it, start, it will start small and it will get big, if we don't deal with it properly, we will always have that, that chokehold on us, on our lives. Right, I'm going to press pause. That was the first half. Okay, I like football. So that's the first half. We can have a little, little rest. <laughs> Actually, it's not really a rest, but there we go. And then we've got the second half, which hopefully will be more inspiring, okay? Um, 
so, as a lot of you know, um, Abby and I have been together for 18 years, right? It's crazy. So we've been married 11. Um, I met Abby when she was six, 17, 16, 17, and I was 20. And uh, I'm not sure her dad liked that too much, but there we go. Um, so we've been married for a few years, and uh, we, uh, like any married couple, have our little arguments occasionally. Um, if you don't, then please tell us the secret. Um, you know, who did, why didn't you put the bins out? Why did you not do this? Why didn't you put the dishwasher stuff away properly in the right dishwasher rack? Or oh, it's the one that I get told of. Can you see that? Yes, fine. Um, you know, we're also the sort of get on with it type people, okay? So our lives are quite busy sometimes in the evenings. And so we've learned to kind of, um, I guess, uh, not necessarily deal with some of the bigger stuff properly. Is that, can I say that? I can say that, that's fine. I've said it, too late. So, um, it's the biggest problem. So what we've done is we've learned behaviours to kind of go, yeah, I'll just leave that little hand grenade there <laughs> and then go, I've got to go to work now. Do you know what I mean? And so over time, little things build up, comments build up, or lack of comments can build up as well, not doing certain things. And it got to the point where we realised that actually our marriage wasn't as healthy as we wanted it to be. You know, same arguments again and again and again. And a few years ago, five years ago, um, something happened that stopped us, okay, in our tracks, and we both just thought, you know, we, we need to deal with this, we both have, we're both harboring bitterness towards each other about certain things, um, and so we met this amazing couple, um, they're not actually a couple, are they, but they work together, but they're called John and Helen, and uh, they, they were fantastic, we just thought we need to get some extra help, we need to deal with this stuff before it gets any worse, and um, they gave us some like, really important handholds, you know, really practical ways to rebuild certain areas of our marriage where it was just constantly, there was bitterness and there was anger towards certain things that had happened. Uh, and it was great. They gave us some really great techniques. I learned that I get hangry. Yes, who else gets hangry? Yeah, I know the pain. My son gets really hangry. Always feed Obi because it will just kill you otherwise. Um, <laughs> So I need, I need to eat certain times. So there's something that we've learned. Abby would be like, right, stop. Are you hungry? And I'm like, yes, go to the kitchen. Fine, I go to the kitchen. And then I'll eat. And then I'm like, okay, problem solved. See you later. So little techniques, little things like that. Anyway, it got to the last session and John turned up um, with um, a bottle of wine and, and a loaf of bread. Not because it was going to be a heavy session, uh, but because, and this was really, really important. He said to us, you know what, I can teach you all the techniques in the world to move from unforgiveness to the middle zone, you know, and it can look healthier, but unless you work through forgiveness, you're never going to get back here and it's never going to be comfortable, you know. We're always going to be flitting in and out of this place. Um, And he says, ultimately, this has got to be a decision that you guys choose to forgive one another. And so the next 10 minutes, um, we were both a bit of a snotty mess, (laughs) We were both in tears, and it was the hardest 10 minutes, I think, of our marriage, I'd say, probably. And, um, and then we were like, do you know what? We choose to forgive each other, all those little things, those little things that took root, and the words that came out of it, the fact that we choked each other with different words and bitterness and just anger and stuff as well. And um, it wasn't like a supernatural moment, like Andrews didn't turn up with like a trombone and go, well done, you've been cured. Like that didn't happen, okay? But I can honestly say, hand on heart, there is no desire in either of us anymore, or certainly not in me, I don't want to necessarily speak to Abby, but I think this is true, uh, that we don't want to bring that stuff up anymore, okay? It's been dealt with, 
Okay, we took bread and wine to show, just like the agreement that God gave us, we agree that between each other. We've drawn the line. We've forgiven each other. Okay, now some of you are thinking that's great. What a fairy tale ending. Um, I mean, it's not a fairy tale. You know, we still have to choose forgiveness. But, and some of you are thinking it just wouldn't be healthy for me to go back to that person. And it's, you're probably right. Or perhaps you just can't because that person's no longer in your life anymore. Um, but Jesus wants to step in and he wants to release you from the unforgiveness in your heart, okay? And if you're thinking, well, I don't have any unforgiveness, I'm hoping some of these techniques in a minute will, will equip you so that next time something crops up, you can, allow, you can stop it from taking root. Is that okay? Yeah. We good? Great. Right, let's move on to the first part of the passage. Verse 23 to 27 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. Now, what I want to say about forgiveness is that forgiveness is about the overflow of the heart, okay? It's about the overflow of our heart. And so for this to happen, as fellow Christians, we need to really understand how much we've been forgiven, right? It's, forgiveness starts with a, 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 a true appreciation of the breadth and the depth and the height and the gravity of God's forgiveness for us. This is why Jesus used monetary terms to explain to his disciples, okay? It's literally about money. We're going to do some maths. Are you excited? Yes. I was rubbish at maths at school. No, it's fine, Dee. Um, I had extra maths tuition and I still managed to fail maths, but never mind. Um, so he talks about 10,000 talents, okay? You ready for some quick maths? Yeah? Someone got a reference. Okay. We have 10,000 talents. In Jesus' day, one talent is equal to 15 years of wages, according to scholars. Books I've read, so don't blame me if that's wrong. 15 years of wages. So 10,000 talents is equal to 150,000 years of wages, right? The average full-time UK salary is about 26,000, according to a website that I googled. Okay, so that's 26,000. I know this is comparative. I know you can't always do comparative. That's 26,000 times 150,000 years. That's 3.9 billion, right? Now, let's now move on to the second part quickly. One silver coin was about the day's labour that you'd earn in Jesus' time. Okay, so 100 silver coins is roughly about a third of a year's pay. So today, in the UK salary, it's about £8,000. That's quite a lot, isn't it? If you were owed to £8,000, you'd be like, I'm getting that money back, right? Yeah? Yeah, I'm getting that money back. No wonder. Like, Jesus isn't saying that what's happened to you, the debt that you feel owed is inconsequential. That's not what he's saying. He recognizes it, and he says, I understand the pain that you've gone through. I understand the future pain that you might have to go through because of something that something's happened to you, or the pain that you feel about yourself, Okay? But if you stack it up in comparison to what we owed God, 3.9 billion, 3.9, if we allow that amount that we've been forgiven to penetrate our hearts, if we let the gospel drop, right, from our heads to our hearts, there's nothing that's been done to us. There's nothing that we have done to anyone that's bigger than what he has done for us, okay? There's nothing that we have done, there's nothing that someone might have done to us that is bigger than what he has done for us. Now, I know that's all quaint little phrases, and it takes time to practice it through. 
But it's so true. If we can get a true appreciation of how much God has stepped in through Jesus on the cross and forgiven us 3.9 billion, it puts the other things into perspective. And that's how we begin to move towards forgiveness, when we have a true appreciation of how much we have been forgiven. We need to let the gospel drop. Let the gospel drop. Thank you, Bev. Amen. Love it. Right. Jesus literally stepped in for us on the cross. The currency of the kingdom of God is forgiveness. Okay? It is. It's not money, so don't get sidetracked by that. It's, the currency is about forgiveness. And he wants us to deal in forgiveness. That's how we share the same love that God gave to us, to other people. Colossians 3.13. A lot of you might know it. It says... Um, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The hallmark of being a Christian, of being a Jesus follower, of allowing Jesus to step in, is to have a fresh appreciation of the forgiveness that we've received and allow that to flow into the lives of other people. And then the next couple of things I want to pack, unpack, hopefully, um, will make sense. I love Jesus. I said it on stage. I love Jesus. I also love how he demonstrates this for us, okay? He demonstrates this for us. Um, as we begin to allow Jesus to step in, we begin to walk with him much more closely. And we want to imitate him more, don't we? Replicate how he lived his life, the choices that he made. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus in Matthew 26, you know, he didn't want to go to the cross, did he? In Luke, it says that he literally swept blood, right? That's how much anguish there was. That's how much anguish there was. He knew what pain, the pain that he was in, but also the pain that was going to come. But he still did it. He still did it. He chose his father's will. His father's will was what? Forgiveness, wasn't it? His father's will is forgiveness, the way of forgiveness, because that's what releases. That's what released us. If we sat in this room and we declared Jesus as our Lord, that's what's released us. And so we need to pass that on. If we choose forgiveness, we choose the father's will. And that's what releases people. Forgiveness releases people. It's so important. That last session that I had with Abby, um, it was the most, I don't know, not painful, but it was kind of, you ever like forgiven someone and just feel like a massive weight got off your shoulder? You ever had that before? Yeah? Good. Because that's what it felt like. It was like equal measures of pain and then complete joy because I realized we'd put down the records of wrong, we burnt them, the cupboard's full of like, folders of that, but you did this then, and you did that then, and this happened then. We burnt them, we put them in the fire, we got rid of them. We put down our prison guard uniforms, not that we had any, but you know what I mean. We released the grip, the bitter words, the angry words, and we allowed Jesus to step in. It's not easy, and there's still days that we choose forgiveness, and we have to choose forgiveness, okay, because I'd sooner choose forgiveness than avoidance, all right, because avoidance won't get you anywhere. It'll just keep you trapped, okay, but forgiveness releases, Forgiveness is a choice, okay? And I'm not downplaying, if, you know, if some of you are sat here and you're thinking, oh, yeah, but you don't know, you don't know. I don't know, but Jesus does, and Jesus wants you to forgive. He wants you to forgive. And if you're sat here going, oh, that doesn't happen to me yet, you'll have to work through forgiveness, and this hopefully will help you do that. The last thing I want to say is from, taken from the very first part of the passage. I told you we worked backwards. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, so we've got a naughty step in our house. 
Yeah, not for me. I don't think it's for me. Is it for me? No, it's not for me. Um, it's for our kids. A few weeks ago, Emily and Obi had a big fight because Am- uh, Obi wanted some of Emily's sweets, okay? I wanted some of her sweets as well, but she wasn't sharing, so it's fine. Um, anyway, so um, it got to the point where they got a little bit physical with each other, and uh, Emily might have accidentally kicked Obi. Uh, so we put Emily on the naughty step, and after about five minutes, she's like, right, I'm ready to say sorry. And so she went out, and she said to um, uh, Obi, I'm really sorry. And he said, uh, yeah, I'll forgive you as long as you give me one of your sweets. <laughs> Solid parenting, right? Years of hard work. <laughs> I think so often when it comes to forgiveness, we can put terms and conditions on it. I'll forgive you if. If you promise never to do that again, then I'll forgive you. But if you do it again, I will never forgive you again, right? So Peter, in this passage, he says seven times, because rabbinic teaching, the rabbis at the time, taught from the Talmud, and they said that if a man commits a transgression the first, second, and third time, he is forgiven. The fourth time, he is not forgiven. So Peter would have grown up with this culture of understanding that's how you deal with forgiveness. So he's thinking, I'll times it by two, I'll add one, super holy, right? Yeah, super holy. I'm going to be like, yeah, Jesus is going to be like, yeah, well done, Peter. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. You go on forgiving. You go on forgiving. No matter how hard it is, you go on forgiving because that's what he does for us, right? His mercy is in you every day. His grace is in you every day. His love is for us, you know? There's nothing that we can do that can separate us from his love. It's not, I did a bit of maths on this as well. It's dangerous when I do maths. And it adds up to 490. Pete and I were talking about this, don't we, Pete? It's a small group. And uh, it doesn't mean the 491st time we go, there's your lot. I've been keeping all these records now. That's your 491st time I've given up. That's not what Jesus says. He's keep on forgiving, right? It's not limited. It's not based on how you feel. Forgiveness is not based on how you feel. It's what you've received. Um, amen. amen. Thanks, Bev. Everyone else can say amen if they want as well. The last thing, and I was chatting to Mark about this this week. Um, the last verse, I'm going to go right to the end. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Mark and I were thinking, you know, we could have a whole sermon series on this last verse. There's all sorts of theology that you can understand and wrestle with. And does it mean that I should forgive? Otherwise, I'm not going to be forgiven. All that kind of stuff, right? Does it mean that what I do impact? I don't want to get into that right now, partly because we don't have time, partly because I think that's quite a big question that we should answer some other time. But what I want to say is Jesus said that, so it's got to be important, right? So concise, I know. It's probably nowhere near the depth that you wanted. But it it must be important. If Jesus said that that's what's going to happen, then it must be important. That's how important forgiveness is to him, that he wants you to allow him to step in. And I'm hoping as we begin to do that, any unforgiveness that we have, those unresolved things, those comments, begin to be worked out through the forgiveness zone. Okay, so that we can live a life that is free, life and all its, what is it? Life and all its, John 10.10. 10. Fullness, thank you, Kathy. Life and all its fullness. Okay, I'm not downplaying that this could be painful for some of you today to make that decision. I'm not doing that. But Jesus wants you to make that decision. Um, I'm going to invite the band up. Thank you. Um, yeah I think 
What I'd like to do is for us to, you know, we were praying, weren't we, as a prayer team beforehand, and I kept getting this word about return, come back to me, kept returning to me, Um, and a few other people were saying something similar along those lines about return. So what I want to do, I think there's two kind of responses, and um, what I want to do first is just um, offer you the chance to, to receive the fullness of Jesus' forgiveness and to allow that to free you, okay? And others of us probably today are thinking, yeah, I also need to, to release people. And I think we will come on to that, I think. But I might ask you just to bow your heads. Um, and you may have prayed this prayer a million times, right? And that's fine because sometimes life happens <laughs> all the time and new things happen. And we mess up. And we make wrong decisions. And so we need to keep coming back to the cross, to Jesus' forgiveness. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And you might have prayed this lots of times. This might be the first time you've ever prayed it. But I'd love you to follow it in your heart. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that the debt that was owed by me to God, to your Father, has been paid by you. The 3.9 billion and so much more, your, your life was paid for us, for our freedom. Forgive me, Jesus. Thank you that you do forgive. You make that promise. And Lord, if there's stuff as well that's in the way continually, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to remove that out of the way. Thank you that you've given us now your Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a sign to show that you are with us. And we need your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit to keep me on track, to move me in line with you, where I can daily say to you, step in, step in, and you can walk me along. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you again. If you want to just keep your head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, sometimes it's good just to sort of be bold about it. Can you just raise your hand? No one's looking. If you prayed that prayer. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. God delights in you. There's a party going on. God delights in you for your transparency, your honesty. Now be assured that the Holy Spirit is in you, has filled you, and will continue to guide you 